2 Chronicles 1 1-317 Now Solomon son of David established himself securely over his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and highly exalted him. Then Solomon spoke to all Israel, to the commanders of thousands and of hundreds, to the judges, and to every leader in all Israel the heads of the families. And Solomon and the whole assembly went to the high place at Gibeon because it was the location of God's tent of meeting, which Moses the servant of the Lord had made in the wilderness. Now David had brought the ark of God from Kiriath-Jerim to the place he had prepared for it, because he had pitched a tent for it in Jerusalem. But the bronze altar made by Bezalel son of Uri, the son of Hur, was in Gibeon before the tabernacle of the Lord. So Solomon and the assembly inquired of him there. Solomon offered sacrifices there before the Lord on the bronze altar in the tent of meeting, where he offered a thousand burnt offerings. That night God appeared to Solomon and said, Ask, and I will give it to you. Solomon replied to God, You have shown much loving devotion to my father David, and you have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to my father David be fulfilled. For you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Now grant me wisdom and knowledge, so that I may lead this people. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? God said to Solomon, Since this was in your heart instead of requesting riches or wealth or glory for yourself or death for your enemies and since you have not even requested long life but have asked for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king therefore wisdom and knowledge have been granted to you. And I will also give you riches and wealth and honor unlike anything given to the kings before you or after you. So Solomon went to Jerusalem from the high place in Gibeon before the tent of meeting, and he reigned over Israel. Solomon accumulated 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses, which he stationed in the chariot cities and also with him in Jerusalem. The king made silver and gold as common in Jerusalem as stones, and cedar as abundant as sycamore in the foothills. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and Kew, the royal merchants purchased them from Kew. A chariot could be imported from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver, and a horse for 150. Likewise, they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and to the kings of Aram. Now Solomon purposed to build a house for the name of the Lord and a royal palace for himself. So he conscripted 70,000 porters, 80,000 stonecutters in the mountains, and 3,600 supervisors. Then Solomon sent word to Hiram king of Tyre, Do for me as you did for my father David when you sent him cedars to build himself a house to live in. Behold, I am about to build a house for the name of the Lord my God to dedicate to him for burning fragrant incense before him, for displaying the showbread continuously, and for making burnt offerings every morning and evening as well as on the Sabbaths, new moons, and appointed feasts of the Lord our God. This is ordained for Israel forever. The house that I am building will be great, for our God is greater than all gods. But who is able to build a house for him, since the heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain him? Who then am I, that I should build a house for him, except as a place to burn sacrifices before him? Send me, therefore, a craftsman skilled in engraving to work with gold and silver, with bronze and iron, and with purple, crimson, and blue yarn. He will work with my craftsmen in Judah and Jerusalem whom my father David provided. Send me also cedar, cypress, and algum logs from Lebanon, for I know that your servants have skill to cut timber there. And indeed, my servants will work with yours to prepare for me timber in abundance, because the temple I am building will be great and wonderful. I will pay your servants, the woodcutters, 20,000 curs of ground wheat, 20,000 curs of barley, 20,000 baths of wine, and 20,000 baths of olive oil. Then Hiram king of Tyre wrote a letter in reply to Solomon, because the Lord loves his people he has set you over them as king. And Hiram added, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who made the heavens and the earth. He has given King David a wise son with insight and understanding, who will build a temple for the Lord and a royal palace for himself. 
So now I am sending you Hiram Abbey, a skillful man endowed with creativity. He is the son of a woman from the daughters of Dan, and his father is a man of Tyre. He is skilled in work with gold and silver, bronze and iron, stone and wood, purple, blue, and crimson yarn, and fine linen. He is experienced in every kind of engraving and can execute any design that is given him. He will work with your craftsmen and with those of my lord, your father David. Now let my lord send to his servants the wheat, barley, olive oil, and wine he promised. We will cut logs from Lebanon, as many as you need, and we will float them to you as rafts by sea down to Joppa. Then you can take them up to Jerusalem. Solomon numbered all the foreign men in the land of Israel following the census his father David had conducted, and there were found to be 153,600 in all. Solomon made 70,000 of them porters, 80,000 stonecutters in the mountains, and 3,600 supervisors. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David. This was the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Solomon began construction on the second day of the second month in the fourth year of his reign. The foundation that Solomon laid for the house of God was sixty cubits long and twenty cubits wide, according to the old standard. The portico at the front, extending across the width of the temple, was twenty cubits long and twenty cubits high. He overlaid the inside with pure gold. He paneled the main room with cypress, which he overlaid with fine gold and decorated with palm trees and chains. He adorned the temple with precious stones for beauty, and its gold was from Parvium. He overlaid its beams, thresholds, walls, and doors with gold, and he carved cherubim on the walls. Then he made the most holy place, its length corresponded to the width of the temple twenty cubits long and twenty cubits wide. And he overlaid the inside with six hundred talents of fine gold. The weight of the nails was fifty shekels of gold. He also overlaid the upper area with gold. In the most holy place he made two cherubim of sculptured work, and he overlaid them with gold. The total wingspan of the cherubim was twenty cubits. One wing of the first cherub was five cubits long and touched the wall of the temple, and its other wing was five cubits long and touched the wing of the other cherub. The wing of the second cherub also measured five cubits and touched the wall of the temple, while its other wing measured five cubits and touched the wing of the first cherub. So the total wingspan of these cherubim was twenty cubits. They stood on their feet, facing the main room. He made the veil of blue, purple, and crimson yarn and fine linen, with cherubim woven into it. In front of the temple he made two pillars, which together were thirty-five cubits high, each with a capital on top measuring five cubits. He made interwoven chains and put them on top of the pillars. He made a hundred pomegranates and fastened them into the chainwork. Then he set up the pillars in front of the temple, one on the south and one on the north. The pillar on the south he named Jacob, and the pillar on the north he named Boaz. Romans 6 1-23 What then will we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Never may it be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that as many as have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, so that, just as Christ was raised up out from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have become united in the likeness of His death, certainly also we will be of the resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be annulled, that we are no longer enslaved to sin. For the one having died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised up out from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer rules over Him. For that which He died, He died to sin once for all, but that which He lives, He lives to God. So also you, consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but living to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, 
in order to obey its desires. Neither yield your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but yield yourselves to God, as living out from the dead, and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will not rule over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Never may it be. Do you not know that to whom you yield yourselves as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to him whom you obey, whether of sin to death, or of obedience to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were slaves of sin have now become obedient from the heart to the pattern of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves to righteousness. I speak in human terms on account of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you yielded your members in bondage to impurity and lawlessness unto lawlessness, so now yield your members in bondage to righteousness unto sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit, therefore, did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin, and having become slaves to God, you have your fruit unto sanctification, and the end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Psalm 16 1-11 A Mictom of David. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, You are my Lord, apart from you I have no good thing. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellence in whom all my delight resides. Sorrows will multiply to those who chase other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood, or speak their names with my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup, you have made my lot secure. The lines of my boundary have fallen in pleasant places, surely my inheritance is delightful. I will bless the Lord who counsels me, even at night my conscience instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because He is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices, my body also will dwell securely. For you will not abandon my soul to shoal, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life, you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Proverbs 19 20-21 Listen to counsel and accept discipline, that you may be wise the rest of your days. Many plans are in a man's heart, but the purpose of the Lord will prevail.